This is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. This is a Radio Labour World Report recorded on Friday, April 9th, 2021. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, in the UK, zookeepers are better paid than care workers. Labour campaigns for an international law against violence at work. The Labour Start report about union events and singing. This is Radio Labour. It's a sad reality that we pay people more to look after animals in a zoo than we pay them to look after children in a nursery. That is Christina McEnany, the General Secretary of Unison, the largest labour union in the United Kingdom. She was speaking in a webinar organised by the British Trades Union Congress about the effect of the pandemic on women workers and what must be done. The unequal impact of COVID-19 on women has been very stark. Women have actually borne the brunt of this pandemic. We ran a survey in Unison and it just shows just how true that is. And in over just over two days, 47,000 women participated in that survey. Women desperate to tell their stories, share their experiences. And it told the story of loneliness, disconnection, isolation and indeed the impact of what the pandemic was doing for their working life showed a deep-seated fear of catching the virus and giving it to a relative or a loved one and also highlighted the physical toll of the pandemic about people not sleeping well or taking regular breaks but it also showed an increase in issues around domestic violence and a rise, a genuine rise in discrimination against pregnant women and women with children and other caring responsibilities Women in all jobs have ended up juggling work and caring responsibilities, expected to do more than ever with the same number of hours in the day and quite often for lower pay. But of course, the pre-pandemic picture wasn't actually that much better. With inflexible work too often that saw women disproportionately having to cut their hours, take unpaid leave to cover childcare and elder care, and of course, see the impact that had on their progression. And then, of course, there's the whole issue of low paid It doesn't have to be like that. Stronger employment rights, greater flexibility and a decent childcare system would help us all to better balance our lives, whatever our circumstances. And change is absolutely imperative if we want to kickstart our economy after this crisis. And there are some key changes to the laws that would make a huge difference to women in this country and women in the workplace. Right at the start of the pandemic, Unison lobbied MPs about concerns about the restrictions brought in by the Coronavirus Act. We called for guaranteed parental leave for the duration of the crisis. We called for the extension of statutory sick pay. And when you look at what happened in some sectors, that was particularly important. And a temporary increase in statutory sick pay rate, which would disproportionately benefit low-paid workers, predominantly women and black workers. And we need day one rights for all staff to be able to work flexibly and at least have 10 days parental leave to make a significant difference in the workplace. COVID yet again has shown the acute shortage of accessible and affordable childcare and so we've also called on the government for an urgent cash injection to ensure that affordable childcare is universally available and for additional funding targeted 
at provision for children from low-income households. Most of all, we need to make sure women's voices are at the heart of shaping what comes out of the other side of COVID. It's a scandal that women, mainly those in the lowest pay, have had to reduce their hours at work as a direct result of school and childcare closures, and some have been forced out of work altogether. And that the government proposes a 1% pay increase or thinks that's all we should be entitled to in the NHS is such an insult. And when you look at the, the workforce in the NHS, it is predominantly women who will be affected by this. But I suppose for me, one of the key things to come out of this would be what, what would make the biggest difference to certainly at many of the members that we've got in unison? And that would be legislation that actually does something, not just about the gender pay gap, but about the fact that there is so much gender segregation in work. So when you look at the jobs that we've now seen as being essential during this pandemic, and when you look at the jobs that are traditionally undervalued, we're looking predominantly at caring jobs, uh, education, early years cleaning and catering work, people who work in, in the care sector, all predominantly large groups of women. And there's a reason why they're so poorly paid. And that's because we do not value the skills that they bring to those particular jobs. And so for me, one of the key things would be, can we bring in something which is about having proper pay and conditions in sectors? Can we bring in some legislation which looks specifically at how you would job evaluate particular large categories of jobs and start to put a proper value on the worth of those jobs. Unions are calling for the adoption of an international law about violence at work. Seamary Ainsborough reports. Labour unions are intensifying their global efforts to have an international law against violence at work adopted by countries. The law is Convention 190 of the International Labour Organization. The ILO is the UN agency specialized on matters of work in the world. In a recent webinar, unionists from around the world discussed Convention 190 and the efforts to have it adopted. The webinar was moderated by Kathy Feingold, the international director of the AFL-CIO in the United States. Let me take us back about a year and a half ago. On June 29, 2019, we celebrated a historic day. It was a day when women and workers, unions, and our allies won the first ever international treaty focused on ending violence and harassment in the workplace. Now, whenever we claim a win, we know that this means there had been years of hard work um, of organizing of many, many conversations with governments, employers, and our allies about how we would go about moving a new standard. Now, for many years, the global labor movement had been highlighting the problem of gender-based violence. But for many years, there had been a resistance to creating a new standard. Some governments like my own at the beginning in the United States said, we don't really need a new standard. We have our own laws. Other countries were worried that they already had high standards, that perhaps this could affect the laws they already had in place. So it took a lot of organizing even to get the issue on the agenda at the International Labor Organization. So for years, we organized to highlight the problem, to make visible the problem of gender-based violence in our homes, communities, and workplaces. And we immediately saw the issue as one about power, the imbalance of power between relationships. And the labor movement knows this well, the imbalance of power between workers and our employers, 
between men and women, and the many other intersections of inequality that come with race, ethnicity, migration status, sexual orientation, and other factors. So the adoption of an international labor organization convention and recommendation was a huge victory for all of us, for workers, the trade union movement, and all of our allies who were critical in helping us push this forward. Under the new instruments, the convention and recommendation, states are able to adopt laws, policies, and mechanisms aimed at preventing violence and harassment in the world of work. It protects workers and establishes actual remedies for victims. And there are responsibilities that employers have. Employers have the primary responsibility to create a work environment free from violence and harassment. And they also have role, and and then there are some defined roles for trade unions and workers as well on how to address violence in the workplace. But we know this was just the beginning, that historic day in June in 2019, when many of us were dancing in the in the rooms of the International Labor Organization. I'm not sure they had seen so much dancing in a long time. We took this energy back home to our countries, to our communities. And now with our allies, unions must campaign for the ratification and the implementation of this convention and take this global treaty and make it a tool for change, transformation in our workplaces and in our lives. So to date, we have Namibia, Argentina, Fiji, and Uruguay who have formally ratified the convention. You'll hear from other representatives from countries that have moved this forward, like Italy, that are also very much on the forefront of making this a reality in our countries. You can find more information about Convention 190 at ILO.org. This is Seamary Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. Here with his report about union events is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labour Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of all their hard work. Our top stories section included links to coverage of how and why unions in Pakistan are lining up behind warehouse workers there, the fight to maintain independent trade unions in Kyrgyzstan, and the conviction of a Hong Kong trade union leader by a Chinese court. Several continuing stories appear almost every day in our top stories section. Included in this list would be the ongoing struggles in Belarus and Myanmar against each country's dictatorship and the pressure that transport unions around the world continue to place on platform employers as they go to the financial markets for capital. Though technically not one of our top stories, we did want to extend our congratulations to Icelandic union BSRB. The union's campaign website on shortening the work week was the winner in the category of Best News and Information website at the Icelandic Web Awards for 2021, which were presented last Friday. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news marking Equal Pay Day in Canada, an Australian union's campaign to see more women in public transport driver's seats, and growing concerns about a gender vaccination gap in much of the world. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories about the push for paid sick days for all Canadian workers, a possible national safety strike by Irish teachers, and the human cost of the lack of delivery rider regulation in Australia. 
Our photo of the week is of French pensioners protesting the erosion of their purchasing power as a result of the pandemic's effects on the French economy. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include urgent appeals for online solidarity with trade unionists in Pakistan, Israel, Europe, Kazakhstan, Jordan, Ukraine, India, and in Albania. Look for details on our site. This is Derek Blackheader from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is the UK singing group The Workers with Let's Work Together. Divided will fall Come on now people Let's get on the board Let's work together Come on, come on Let's work together Because together we will stand Every boy, every girl, every man People when things go wrong And sometimes they will And that's it, international labor news you can use. You can find our features and daily newscasts at radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radiolabor. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.